Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This is a special bonus report on Season 7 of Jury Duty, as we cover the sentencing of Danny Masterson for his conviction on sexual assault charges. On today's episode, we present a conversation between Jury Duty creator Carrie Antholis and blogger Tony Ortega about last week's sentencing hearing in the Masterson retrial. That's all coming up right after the break. 
imagery she used. It was really effective. And at the end, she she forgave him. She's you know, she she forgave him really in a way that I think was helping herself move forward. But that you know, order you know, telling him that he needed to continue to think about these things. I, I just thought it was really effective. And then Jane Doe One went last, and she spoke the longest. And what I really thought was interesting about Jane Doe One was that she continually brought it back to Scientology. The first two women had spoken about Scientology. But Jane Doe One really talked about Scientology's involvement, Scientology's cover-up, Scientology's, what Scientology, how it made it all so much worse for her. Really, really uh, interesting. Uh, I think a fitting conclusion to these trials and all the things we heard about Scientology. So, you know, I, I was talking to a reporter that said, I'm used to these things lasting two sentences and then people become so upset they can't speak anymore. And she was saying that these women really took the time to explain how they felt, explain why Danny, what he should be thinking about these things, and were just really, really effective. We'll put the link to your Substack where listeners can get a much more detailed synopsis of what each of the victims put forward at the hearing in the podcast page for this site. What I'd love for you to go on to next is the letters that Judge Almeida received in support of Danny Masterson leading up to the sentencing. Right. Nothing was said in court that day, but my own experience with these cases, I just covered another trial uh, involving a Scientologist who was sentenced to nine years in prison for Medicare fraud. And I, you know, after the sentence, then the file becomes available. And I saw all these letters that were written on his behalf by people that said he was the greatest person they ever knew and all this stuff. And so I had this experience that I said, well, I'm sure they did that for Danny as well. And so I started asking about that. Another reporter and I were really determined we wanted to get whatever letters were submitted. We, we knew there had to be some. And by Friday morning, we had gotten our hands on them. From the reaction from some of the letter writers, I'm not sure they thought we would ever get our hands on them. But um, I published them on my Substack Friday morning. And what I did was it was a court document and some of it was copied badly. I just wanted to make it easy for people to read. So I took the text out and I put them in an order I I figured people would be most interested in. So I started off Bijou's letter as Danny's wife and then Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, Deborah Jo Rupp, Kurtwood Smith, all people that were in that 70s show with him. And then people like Billy Baldwin, who is Danny's brother-in-law. Giovanni Ribisi, another actor, the whole Ribisi clan, Giovanni's father, mother, and sister. And I want to make it clear, some people were asking, where's his brother Christopher's letter? Because I did have letters from Jordan Masterson and Alana Masterson, Danny's younger brother and sister. Christopher did write a letter, but it was copied in a way in the court file that was kind of illegible. And I didn't want to guess at the text. And so I just, I'm going to try to get a cleaner version of it later. Christopher did write a letter, but I was unable to reproduce it Friday morning. And, you know, these are folks that were asked post-conviction to write letters to the judge, hoping to give him some leniency. And now, this became more clear to me later. I wish I could have explained this earlier, Carrie. But basically, Judge Olmedo only had two choices as far as sentencing. The particular law that Danny was charged under was called California One-Strike Law, and it requires multiple forcible rapes. And they had two, so they had multiple And in that case, each count carries a penalty of 15 years to life in prison. What the defense wanted with these letters was to convince the judge to go 
the 15th to, to do them concurrently, cut him a little break. And so he would be sentenced to just 15 years to life. But the law specifically says they have to run consecutively. And so two counts would give him 30 to life. But essentially, that was the choice in front of Judge Olmedo that day, 15 to life or 30 to life. And so the point of these letters was not to try to convince her that Danny had not committed the crime or that Danny should just get probation or something. They were just trying to portray the Danny that they knew, the character they knew, the reason why he was, you know, this good guy, hoping that she would agree on 15 to life. But she didn't. I mean, she, you know, she has said these are very, very serious crimes and the law calls for consecutive. So that's what she ultimately ruled on after reading these letters and and hearing the impact statements was Danny got the 30 years to life in prison, which means he won't even be eligible for parole for 30 years when he's 77 years old. Right. And I think according to Cal. California law, the convicted individual has to serve 85% of that sentence. So if you calculate what 85% of 30 years is, that's the minimum. If he. It's like 25 or something, right? Yes, it's actually 25 and a half years. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We resume the conversation between Carrie Antholis and Tony Ortega, with Carrie asking Tony about the reaction to Almedo's announcement of Masterson's sentence. What's your understanding of the reaction in the courtroom when the sentence was announced? <laughs> you know what, Carrie? I had been getting detailed notes from the courtroom about the impact statements, but once and they took a break, right? They first they dealt with some defense motions. The defense, like I said, wanted them to run concurrently instead of consecutively. They also filed a motion for a new trial. Once they dealt with all that, went through the victim statements, then they took a break. And then I got a lot of notes from people, you know, that were letting me know what was going on. They went back in and pretty much right away the judge revealed her 30 years to life sentence. And then all hell broke loose. I mean, reporters were going all over the place. I, I didn't really get a good sense of what the feeling like was in the room because at that point, everyone was just scrambling to write stories. You know what I mean? So um, I haven't I haven't really talked to people about what those initial moments were like. I mean, I, they did say that the Masterson family were, you know, weeping and stuff. I, I think they knew. I think the Masterson family had to know it was probably going to be 30 to life. And they're going to be more focused on the appeals process anyway. What was the fallout from first the announcement of the sentencing and secondly, the revelation of these letters in support of Masterson? Right. So um, initially, uh, Thursday evening, everyone was reporting, you know, this sentence. And I was one of them that just said at one point, I said like 30 years in a tweet. I knew it was 30 years to life. I was the first one in 2018, five years ago, Carrie, to report that the DA were preparing a potential life sentence case in this against Masterson. I, you know, 667.61 is the statute. I knew about the law. I knew about the potential sentences. But in, you know, I was like many other people rushing to get some statements out on Twitter. And at one point I said 30 years instead of 30 to life. And boy, all these law Karens. <laughs> 
are all attacking me on Twitter. What kind of reporter are you? You can't even get the sentence right. So that's, I was dealing with that Thursday night. It was all kind of silly. It's like, okay, is he, you know, are we really going to argue about what happens to Danny Masterson in the 2050s? Can we focus on what's going on right now? Anyway, so it was a little confusing. There was a little arguing over 30 or 30 to life and that kind of thing on Thursday night. But clearly, I mean, the important thing was that, you know, that, that he's being sentenced to a long time in prison without the possibility of parole for many, many years. And that, you know, this was a very serious case, a very serious sentence. And then, of course, you also get a wave of people on social media that are not very familiar with the case and they're asking questions like why is such a long long sentence what is the evidence in this case so there's just a lot of you know real shock and confusion and celebration all going on online Thursday night. Like I said, what I was really focused on, though, I wanted to get those letters. And so Friday, I think it was 1 p.m. Friday, I I posted the letters from Kutcher and Mila Kunis. And uh, wow, right away, it just, this firestorm started on social media. People were so outraged that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, who, you know, have done work about sexual trafficking and children victims that they would be seen sticking up for a convicted rapist. Because remember, the letters they wrote were post-conviction, all right? So they were writing letters to Judge Almeida about what a great guy Danny Masterson is after he had been convicted of two serious, forcible, violent rapes. And the other thing that I think struck people was that so many of these letter writers all mentioned how anti-drug Danny was, which, of course, is part of being a Scientologist. And it was like, okay, but you knew when you wrote this letter that he was convicted of drugging and raping these women. So there was that kind of a tone-deaf quality to the letters that shocked people. And it became such a firestorm, such a viral thing, people outraged about Ashton and Mila in particular, that on Saturday, they actually put out a video. Uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis sit down, sat down in front of a camera, a uh, very sort of impromptu little thing, and, and talked about how they acknowledged the outrage, but they were really on the side of victims. There's some, I, I called it an apology video, and I got a lot of heat over that. Are they really apologizing? Are they not apologizing? It just seems remarkable to me that they did it at all, and that they're trying to get out in front of, of the outrage. But uh, I thought the thing that was most interesting to me and what Ashton said in particular was at one point he said, we wrote these letters for the judge. Now, he didn't say it outright, but to me, I interpret that to mean they didn't expect these letters to get out to the public. I think they might not have realized that letters like this do become public eventually. I saw some speculation online that Masterson's attorneys may have indicated to them that they would file them under seal, not giving them a heads up that they could file them under seal, but that the judge could not recognize that filing under seal. And in fact, that the judge would not recognize that filing under seal. Have, have you heard any of that speculation? I don't know. I mean, I've heard some people talk about whether they were filed under seal or not. I just, my own previous experience told me that these letters become public after the sentencing. And so I expected they would be. And I, you know, I got a hold of them. So, I mean, on the one hand, I understand why people are so outraged. On the other, this is fairly common. If it's a friend of yours and they ask you to write a letter, you're going to write a letter about what a great guy they are. Of course, you can always choose not to write the letter. So, for example, um, from that 70s show, we they got letters from Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, and then um, Deborah Jo Rupp and Kurtwood Smith, who played Kitty in Red, right, the parents. But there was not a letter from Laura Prepon, for example. 
who had been a Scientologist and then quite publicly a couple of years ago said she no longer was one. And there was also not a letter from Topher Grace. And a lot of people are looking at that and said, you know, we always noticed that he wasn't really tight with those guys. And maybe that's, you know, this is how he's he's made that known that he's not going to write a letter on Danny's behalf. So you don't have to write these letters. And I think I wonder if they regret doing it. What do you think the impact of this sentence and the blow up around these letters in support of Danny has had on the Church of Scientology? That's a great question. And, I, you know, an, another way it was put to me is, is, is there going to be a real effect for Scientology or is this just more bad press? That's how another reporter put it to me yesterday. And I, you know, it's hard to say at this point what the lasting effect on my Scientology might be. I mean, one thing I think about was that in the early days of the second trial, I broke the story that the DA had, had, had admitted to the judge that that grand jury is still going, for example. So there's a grand jury still looking into all this stuff with Scientology. And I know well, witnesses have told me that, that there have been federal agents in some of these interviews. So I just I feel like there are other agencies looking at this. Uh, of course, nobody's done anything. But I just wonder if there's going to be some other fallout, not just for Danny Masterson, but for the people that protected him for so long and covered up for him. I, I don't know. I'd like to think that the government cares about that and will do something. But uh, no question, I think that the press in general got a real good education about how Scientology handles um, victims in Scientology and re-victimizes them. And, and I, you know, I think there was a lot of really interesting testimony that Scientology hates was in these trials. And, you know, maybe the public has learned a little bit more. One last question for you, Tony. What do you think the impact of all this is on the civil trial that is going on in the civil part of Los Angeles courthouse? A couple of things. First of all, Jane Doe 1 and Jane Doe 2, now that there have been convictions on their counts, have one year by California law to file lawsuits against Danny Masterson for raping them. So I expect that they're going to do that. And, and I'm going to be keeping an eye out for that. That may come pretty soon. But also, I think this does bolster their civil lawsuit that they filed in August 2019 that's been on hold and will start up again now that the sentencing's done. Scientology keeps insisting there's nothing to this lawsuit. They did had nothing to do with any harassment against these people. But they, they can say that because we haven't got to the point in the lawsuit where the evidence comes in. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see where that lawsuit goes. Scientology had said before the criminal trial that they had planned to file an anti-slap in that civil lawsuit. So that may slow things down for a while. But uh, I don't know. I think this puts them in a stronger position. This puts these women in a stronger position in their civil lawsuit. Tony Ortega, let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find all this intense and incredible reporting about the Masterson trial and about the Church of Scientology. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more coming, not just the Bixler, um, you know, the lawsuit from the Masterson accusers, but, you know, Leah Remini's filed her lawsuit, too. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff. Please sign up for free emails at TonyOrtega.Substack.com and you'll get my daily story and uh, a lot of other stuff, too. Fantastic. Tony Ortega, thank you once again, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you, Carrie. And with that, we conclude this bonus episode of Jury Duty, the retrial of Danny Masterson. You can find Tony Ortega's work and sign up for his email list at tonyortega.substack.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at tonyortega94. Also, check out the Crime Story Media podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about these trials on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.